0: Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. What's up, Hope City Church? Man, I'm really, really, really excited to be here. And, and like you heard a little bit on the video, Robbie and I are, are great, great friends. And so I consider it an honor to stand on the stage that he has the opportunity to occupy uh, most weeks. I love, love, love your pastor very, very much. And uh, I just could not be more excited. Um, I Facebook stalk Hope City Church like crazy because I'm just so excited about all that God is accomplishing in and through this ministry. so you guys got to know um, I know a lot about your story, though I don't know a lot of your names and so I'm really really excited to be here today. quick quick fun fact uh, about about Robbie. Um, back when uh, the Harrisburg campus of High Rock was was building their building uh, that you I think you guys used to occupy before you were hanging out here um, I went over one day to kind of help out with some stuff or whatever. We were in the construction process, and I had the distinct privilege of watching Pastor Robbie try to operate a sledgehammer. Um, and I, I was, at the time, I had, uh, I had broken a bone in my hand, and I was wearing a cast, and I became so frustrated watching Robbie try to take down this block wall uh, that I just pushed him out of the way. Get out of the way, man. Give me that thing. And so cast and all, here I am, sledgehammer, and I broke my cast that day um just because I I couldn't stand to watch riley he was he was struggling man I felt bad for him and I I wanted to rescue him because we are great friends and so I I came to the rescue broke my cast um had to go back to the doctor that week and and get and pay to have a new cast put on so at some point um before Robbie and I stopped hanging out that man owes me a cast all right he owes me the, the money that it cost me to replace that cast um and I do, I, I'm, I'm very excited to be here and, um, and to just share with you guys today what I, what I believe that God wants to, to speak to a lot of us, especially to the single people, single people, make some noise, where alright, there's one, alright, awesome, good, alright, so uh, I'm going to assume that more than one of you are single, uh, just for the purposes, uh, or I'll just preach to you, I'll just come over here, ma'am, and you and I, we, we can, I'm just kidding, Um. So uh, I called Robbie. Called said, "Hey man, what are the chances you're available on the 19th?" And I was like, "Well, actually, you know, I've got the executive pastor at our church is speaking that week, and so I'm I'm actually freed up." So and he's like, "Awesome, great, so come." And he didn't tell me what I was preaching about. Um, so I called him about a week later and said, "All right, so uh, what is it? What's the topic? What's the direction? What am I doing? You know, what deep theological doctrine would you like for me to unpack and, and teach through?" And he's like, "Well, actually, um, we're talking about sex." I was like, so you want me to come to a church that's not mine, to people that I don't know, and talk to them about sex? Yes. Awesome. I love talking about sex. It's, it's one of my favorite things. Um, that was awkward laughter, and I love it. That's awesome. Um, actually, for, for about two and a half years, uh, before my wife and I conceived, our, I am a father. Uh, my wife and I have two precious little girls, and, and in trying to conceive our first Um, It took us about two and a half years uh, to to have our first child. And if you know anything about trying to have a child, you'll know that that makes me an expert on the topic. All right. So I'm pretty excited to share with you today um, what I I believe that God wants all of us to know about sex. Because I believe there's some some pretty common misconceptions as it pertains to sex, especially outside of marriage and and some myths also inside of marriage as well. but today is going to kind of center around one big idea. One thing that I really want us to, to latch on to, to really take away from t- today. And so in case you got to leave early, I'm going to give it to you up front um, so that you don't miss it. And then we'll have some discussion about it here in just a few minutes. But here's the big idea. Here's, here's what I want to communicate today. That sex is not just physical. Sex is not simply physical that's not what culture tells us is it see the 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 kind of the the pervasive thought as it pertains to sex now at least outside of the church and in culture is this that man as long as nobody gets pregnant and as long as nobody gets a disease and as long as nobody gets too caught up in it i mean just what's the big deal let's let's just do it, have fun go do what you want just just do that Right Because sex is just it's just this physical thing. it's no big deal. It's just physical. but it's not. And I believe that if we're really honest with ourselves, if we really look introspectively and we think intuitively, we know that's not true. And so just as a way of kind of getting all of us on the the same page today so that we can kind of operate out of this truth that sex is not just physical, uh, I came up with just a few questions that I think will, will help us understand this, this truth. So here they are. See if maybe you agree. Now, I, I don't even have the answers, really, to these questions. You and I probably wouldn't even agree on the answers to these questions. But I think as we, as we think through these, what we'll find is that all of us intuitively, in the, the deepest parts of who we are, know that sex is not just physical. Here's the first one. Why is it when a child is abused sexually? that later when they're able to finally connect the dots and put together what happened, that it shakes them to the extent to which it shakes them. Why is it so much worse for a child to be sexually abused than any other kind of abuse? And oftentimes, kind of the pushback to this question is, well, that's because they were betrayed by an authority figure. And that is true, but... Authority figures betray children all the time. I, I'm a, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good and, and loving father, but I break my promises to my kids regularly, unintentionally, but regularly break promises to them. So it's not just that their, their trust has been uh, betrayed by an authority figure. No, there's, there's something deeper. Because sex is not just physical. Here's another one. Why is rape? So much more devastating to a woman than just being beaten up. Physical abuse is far more reported than sexual abuse when it pertains to women. Did you know that? There's something that that feels shameful and hurtful and deep and and, and incited within the individual when rape occurs. Why is rape so much worse than just being beaten up? Because there's, there's something that gets violated. There's something that gets broken and damaged when rape happens that's different than just being struck or being beaten up. Because sex is, is, is deeper. It's not just physical. There's, there's a depth to sexuality that connects to our soul. And when that is damaged, it's not something that can just be healed from physically. No, there's something internal, something deep that happens why is it that most people's deepest regret, their greatest regret, always pertains to something sexual? Now, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'll be sitting in my office and somebody will, will come in, into the office and say, Hey, Pastor Brian, I really need to talk to you. I've never told anyone this ever. And it's never, it's, it's never there was this one time where I backed my car into somebody else's car at the parking lot and I didn't leave a note. No, every time someone is going to tell me something that they've never told another individual ever, it's always about some kind of sexual sin or regret. Why is it that our greatest regrets are so often connected to sexuality? Here's the truth. Because sex, it's not just physical and luckily for us, the, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this, and we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But the reason that sex is not just physical is because there's something that's a part of our sexuality that we can't get away from. And I, I listened to Pastor, Pastor Robbie's message from last week, and he talked a little bit about this last week. But here's the word. Here's the word that makes sexuality so deep and ingrained within us and the the word is intimacy and intimacy is to know and to be fully known you see when god created sex he created it to be that which would connect us on a level connect us with another individual on a level that would give us a picture of how he desired for us to connect with him an intimate passionate fearless a fearless fearless, passionate connection with another person in the same way that God desires for us to connect with him. That was God's design, which is, which is interesting, by the way, if you think about it, that God created sex. You tracking with that? That there was, there was a point in time in the creation story, if you're any kind of creationist at all, and I know that all of us maybe in the room don't agree that God created or whatever, but if you're any kind of creationist at all, then you have to believe and have to know that there was a point in time where there was no such thing as sex. And God said, Oh, I've got a great idea. And then the angels came in and they were like, What, 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 what? He's like, Y'all wouldn't understand. Not for you, right? And then then he gave it to to horses, and he gave it to to cows, and he gave it to cats and to dogs and to all these animals. But then when when he created man in his own image, God said, no, it's going to be different for them. It's going to be intimate. It's going to be personal. And it's going to, to fuse people together in a way that nothing else can. See, sex is not just physical. And single people, you know some married people that, that, that have messed this up and they, they've hurt themselves because that's what sex does. Sex, when it's, when it's misused, when it's mistreated, it hurts us. And you know some people, you know, you know some married women who are, who are numb, and they have this inability to connect with their, their husband intimately or sexually because of their sexual past. And you know some men that are so damaged and so scarred by, by their sexual sin and by their, their sexual past that, that they can't really find that tight, beautiful connection with their wife that they desire. Why? It's because sex is not just physical They thought it was. They thought it was a, hey, man, it's just spring break. It's just this vacation. It's just this one time. It's just It's just at a party. No big deal. And they were wrong. And now that they're wrong, that they find themselves, both this husband and this wife, looking outside of their marriage. Other people thinking maybe they married the wrong person or, or they picked the wrong person to spend their life with because they just can't find that connection. There's something that's broken, and they haven't identified it yet. And this is what it is, that they hurt themselves because sex is never just physical. Like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about this, but it's not its not a religious thing. Because every time that, that man comes up with religion, fidelity is not a high priority in man-made religion. This, this for me, is proof that... That that sex, that Christianity is not a a man-made religion. The the things that Christians believe about sex, this is what proves to me that it's not a man-made religion. Because every single time man comes up with a religion, what happens? Think about every cult that you know of, every cult that you've heard of, what is the role of sexuality for the leader of that cult? That he gets to have sex with lots and lots and lots of women, right? Every single cult, every time man comes up with a religion, this is what we end up with. That the man is the leader, and because he's the leader, he gets to do whatever he wants to do as it pertains to sexuality within that religion. But when you think back, way back into the Old Testament, go back into the Old Testament law, and Moses, and he's going up onto the mountain to receive the law of God. And he comes back down with it written on these tablets. Now think about it. If you were Moses, if you were Moses and you kind of tricked all these people into believing that you're some kind of prophet, that you're some kind of leader of God's people, come on, let me talk to the men for a minute. Men, what would, if it was all fake, if it was all false, what would you tell everybody else that God said about sex? Like, well, I'm the leader, and so that means because every time man comes up with religion, that's what they come up with but what god actually said is vastly vastly different so let's look at it together if you have your bibles or if you want to follow along with us on the screens you can the bible says this paul writing in 1st corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 paul says flee from sexual immorality run get away run away flee from sexual immorality all other sins a person commits are outside of the body but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body look look at this is what paul says sexual sin has a category all its own It's it's different than every other type of sin. That's what Paul said. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually it's different. There's a category all its own. And it's not because God hates it more. It's not because because God is is more offended by sexual sin or because there's something about sexual sin that, that separates us further from God. No, the reason that sexual sin is different is not because God doesn't like it more, because it's a worse sin than any other kind of sin, but because of the depth to which the offender is injured as well as the offended. Sexual sin does something to us, the offender in the sin as well as the offended. And this same powerful agent that God created and He designed to connect people in such a way that it would be the the closest, most powerful connection on this side of eternity. This same powerful thing that that can connect so well can devastate and tear apart equally as much. There is no sin like sexual sin when it comes to the ongoing and lasting impact of it. Sexual sin is different. It's not just physical because sin, all other sins happen outside of the body. But sexual sin hurts the offender as well. If you back up a couple of verses into to verse 16, Paul goes on to say this. He says, do you not know? Now, he's writing to the church at Corinth, which if you're, if you're familiar with any kind of Bible history or Bible knowledge at all, the city of Corinth was wretched. There was widespread sexual sin. It was everywhere everywhere. It was horrendous. Like, they, they, they had turned sexuality into a form of worship. You could go to the temple in Corinth and have sex with a prostitute, and it was considered this religious act of worship. It was it was wretched and horrible and bad. They had all kinds. Of, you'd have to know you'd read the whole read the whole deal about Corinth. It was bad. And so Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, do you not know? And they didn't. They didn't know because no one had ever Told them No one had ever explained sexuality to them in the way that Paul was getting ready to explain sexuality to them. And so Paul says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And these guys are going, whoa, 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 Paul, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this little, little, little Greek word that you used here, unites, that's a... That's like a permanent thing. That's like a a, a super glue. That's that's a bonding thing. We're not not bonding with prostitutes. We're just having sex with them. Like I go in, we we negotiate our affections, and then like it's kind of a private thing, and then I leave and I go on about my way. It's just just a physical thing. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Don't you understand? There's a permanence to sexuality because it's not just physical. That he who unites with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh. And Paul takes it all the way back, all the way back to the beginning, and he he quotes Genesis, the very first time that sex is ever mentioned in Scripture at all. That's what Paul is, is citing and referencing, and he says the two will become one flesh. When it comes to to bonding things together, there there are few things as good at bonding as duct tape. Now, the thing about duct tape is once it's stuck to something, it stays stuck for quite some time. It was made to be a lasting and almost permanent connection. There's, a, there's an adhesive on the back of duct tape that just sticks and it stays because that's what it was designed and intended to do. The interesting thing is that after it sticks and then unsticks and sticks and unsticks and sticks. Sorry about the hair. and Unsticks and sticks and unsticks. And sticks and unsticks and And sticks and unsticks. After a while, you know what happens? That which was intended to be stuck forever just doesn't quite stick the way that it was supposed to. Because every time that it gets stuck, something gets taken away. And that was initially intended to stick forever. It just doesn't stick anymore. And what happens in a lot of marriages, the husband looks at his wife. The wife looks at her husband. And they just can't seem to figure out why their marriage doesn't stick. See, Paul says that when, when sexuality happens, that it's forever. That It's a bond that takes place on a level so deep. To tear it apart is to break something that God intended to last forever. It gets damaged, it gets broken. Things get taken away that prohibit you from being able to connect with another individual in the way that God intended. as a culture, we've bought into a lot of myths as it pertains to sexuality. For the sake of time, I'll just share with you my favorite. Here's my favorite myth about sexuality. You ready for this? Practice makes perfect. That's it. Practice makes perfect. So here's the idea. If I'm going to get married one day and I'm going to want to please my spouse, I probably better know something about it before I get there so that I don't look stupid when that day gets here. All right, I've been married for 15 years, single people. Let me give you some 15-year married advice. You ready for this? Look stupid. Actually, that's not even true at all because you'll be able to figure out sex. Did you know that? you it's it's not like learning to play a musical instrument like you don't have to practice and practice and practice and practice to be able to do it at all you'll be able to figure it out the very first time i promise now my wife and i by by some the grace of god and by some some situations and circumstances in which i believe god was completely involved my wife and i were able to, to wait until we were married both of us until we got married now, before I was, uh, before I was a pastor, and a bunch of years even before that, I was a marine. Now, marines are known for a few things: fighting, drinking, and getting it on. Now, That's that kind of like those are the if you don't if you didn't know that about marines. Ura simplify right. So, drinking, fighting, and sex. Now, so for me, like all my and I did the drinking and I did the fighting. All right, and I don't recommend those either. Uh, I recommend the sex, but only after you're married because it's not just physical. And so here's what's going on. So I, ta- I made the mistake of telling all my Marine Corps buddies, hey, uh, my wife and I are waiting until we get married. And this is what they keep telling me. This is what they kept telling me. What happens if you get married and it's bad? Like, like what? I mean, you need to kind of, you need to try it out before you get married to know if you guys have this kind of connection. You need to know if it, like, what happens if you get married and then you have bad sex? Then you're going to be stuck with this woman having bad sex for the rest of your life. Let me tell you a secret. When you're having no sex, any sex is good sex. There's no such thing as bad sex when you've never had sex. The myth that practice makes perfect, it's it's a total lie. It's a total lie. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. Romance in marriage is fueled by exclusivity. Marriage, or excuse me, romance in marriage is fueled by exclusivity. It's not fueled by some skill that you've mastered, right? Like, it's not like you get to your wedding night. Right, and your spouse looks at you and goes, whoo, I'm sure glad you practiced." I'm like, yeah, I, I'm sure glad you practiced too, man. Aren't we good at this? Maybe we could win some kind of award. Is there like a competition we could get in? I don't like. I don't know. Like, so it, 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 it's, it's not true. Here's the this, here's the truth: that if you want romance in your marriage, it's fueled by exclusivity. It's fueled by this story. I waited for you. I prepared for you. Before I even knew you existed or before I even knew your name, I was waiting and preparing for you. And now that we're together, I'm going to be devoted to you for the rest of my life. You see, prior fidelity sets a precedence for future fidelity. All practice does is give your spouse something to compare you to. And it gives you something to compare to them, to. And comparison in marriage is a dangerous and deadly thing. Marriage is fueled by the exclusivity of another person. That was my story. That was my wife's story. We waited for each other. And then we absolutely wasted a trip to Jamaica. I was 21 she was 22 I felt like I was kind of making up for lost time like we went to Jamaica and the resort was nice we didn't go sights we didn't do a lot of stuff we took a few pictures just so we could fool everybody back home but we wasted a trip to Jamaica we could have went to Concord and been just as just as much fun <laughs> and here's the cool thing that exclusivity in marriage it goes on and on and on it keeps lasting I've been married for 15 years three weeks ago. June the 2nd was my anniversary. I tried to waste a trip to Charleston 15 years later because exclusivity, it fuels the romance and the passion in marriage. It's still there. Why? Because my wife and I both said to each other, it's you and me for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, but that turns me on. Knowing that I'm the only person that will ever know her that way and I'm the only person she'll ever know that way. So let me give you a piece of of practicality for all the single people in in the room. Here it is. You need to determine the story you want to tell. You need to determine the story that you want your relationship to tell. And then live in such a way that that becomes a reality. Here's one story. You know, I was in high school and it was spring break, and we kind of just did some stuff. And then I got into college, and um, you know, I was in a fraternity or I was in a sorority, and sexuality was just kind of a way of life. And then now, but now I've met you, and and I really love you, and I'm committed to you for the rest of my life, and I, I'm just gonna flip, I'm, I'm gonna change everything, and I'm just, it's gonna be you from now on. That's that's a story. Let me give you a better one. Let me give you a better story. I was in high school or. I was in college, or I was in my 20s or 30s, and I was going to church, and our pastor wasn't in town, and this other weird guy came in to talk to us. I don't even remember his name. He was really good-looking, but that's all I remember. <laughs> and, and he told us that sex was not just physical, and that if I would wait that I'd have a great story to tell. I wouldn't have to lie, I wouldn't have to hide. I wouldn't have to be ashamed that I could tell my spouse my story forever. And so from that day, I made a decision to prepare for you. That's a great story. And if you're a single person in the room, willing to bet that's the story that you would kind of like to be able to tell one day. But you can't do that now unless you plan for it later. You know what that's called? When you give up something now for something better later. It's not a sacrifice. No, a sacrifice is just to give up something altogether. But to give up something now for something better later, it's not a sacrifice, it's a what? It's, a, it's an investment. So here's, my, here's my challenge to you. I, I'm not your pastor. I don't, have a, I don't have a whole lot of right to challenge you to do anything because I just give you some good advice. If you're single... Start investing now to have an awesome, passionate, intimate, beautiful, exclusive, long lasting, sexual field marriage later. Now, I know a message like this lands in a lot of different places for a lot of different people. Some of you, right now, maybe you've, maybe you've even damaged your sexuality. And maybe now even you are struggling, if you're, maybe now you are married and you're, fi- you're struggling to find that connection with your spouse. You're like, I don't, I don't like my story. I don't like the story that I've been writing. Here's the awesome thing about stories. Is that when we're writing the story, it gets divided into chapters. Here's my advice. Married people that have, that have damaged, that have, that have messed up, that have hurt yourself sexually. man, Turn the page. Start a new chapter. See, we serve and believe in a God who's a God of redemption and a God of hope. He loves the process of restoration in the lives that have been hurt or damaged. So, married folks, this morning, if that's you and you've damaged yours, here's the good news God is making all things new. You can write a new chapter. You can start a new story. You can go home today and talk to your spouse and say, hey, I don't like the story that I've been writing, but here's the story we're going to write from here on out. Baby, it's me and you forever. Let's get intimate. Single people. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever you've been involved in, you get the opportunity right now to begin preparing. You get to choose the story that you write for your spouse. So you got to make a decision to start. you got to start writing that next chapter. Why not start it today? Let's pray together. Father, it's my hope that, that a day like this and a time like this, that God, it would land in such a way that we begin to see sex in the way that you've designed it, in the way that you have prepared us and designed us to live. Father, it's my hope that for those under the, the sound of my voice this morning, that God, decisions are being made to write a new story, to make an investment in the relationship that they plan to have with their future spouse, whether they know who that's going to be or not. God, it's my hope for all of us in the room that that have some kind of, of scarred past from sexual sin, that God, even in this moment, you would bring healing. You would begin the process of redemption and restoration because, God, we know that you are a God of redemption. And in a relationship with you through Jesus, your son, Father, we can have hope. So, Father, we thank you that we can know you and be fully known, that we can have an intimate, passionate relationship with you. God, would you now take that and impart it into our soul that we so desire that with another individual, that we're willing to do whatever we have to do, be as lonely as we have to be or to date as little as we have to date, to experience that same kind of intimacy with our future spouse. Father, we thank you for the words of Paul, for the reminder that our sexuality is not just physical. So God, now, would you allow us to take that and to use it? We thank you that we can. Thank you that we can know that we have a Father who loves us. And we know that because of the work of your Son, Jesus, who you sent to the cross for us. It's in his name I pray. Amen.